Turn to God's Word, Luke chapter 3, page 1182. Luke 3, verse 1 is on 1181. Hear the Word of God. Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Iteria, and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. I should pause there because you see all the powers listed of the world. Every mighty power in the area of Judea, the Roman government. And the word of God comes to John in the wilderness. It's just profound. Okay, verse 3. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He who has two tunics... Let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized, and he said to them, uh, and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? He said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. Now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered it, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations he preached to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this, above all, that he shut John up in prison. That's our reading from Luke 3. I'd like you to turn in the Heidelberg Catechism for a confessional reading. It's page 549 in the Book of Praise.
Lord's Day 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism, what's the true repentance or conversion of man? It's the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What's the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God to His glory and not those based on our own opinion or on precepts of men. After the sermon, we're going to sing hymn 76 about the harvest that is brought in for the Lord's glory. Another harvest song, hymn 76 after the sermon. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, hopefully you remember two words from last week, Sunday afternoon. Why good works? You have two words, right? Because Christ. That was, that was it. Two words. Because Christ having redeemed us wasn't done with us. Because Christ having redeemed us by His blood wasn't finished working in us. He's invested in us. That we would be fruitful. So Christ having redeemed us by His blood also renews us by His Holy Spirit. Renews us. To do something we by nature we're not doing being fruitful, that in our whole life we would be in the image of God, in the image of Jesus Christ, being fruitful, being thankful. That is where good works come in. Remember last time I mentioned that in our language we can speak quite easily. Maybe this is our first, our native language is to say we are sinners. We're no different than unbelievers. It sounds humble. And it's true with respect to the beginning of God's work in our life. You were no different than anyone. Christ died for sinners. At the very beginning of His work, you were the same as anyone else. But now that Christ has died for you, He's working in you by the Holy Spirit. Having redeemed you by His blood, He now renews you by the Holy Spirit. How can you call yourself a sinner so easily anymore? Is that what Jesus Christ is calling you? Have you not been repenting, he says? So let's think about this. Let's be as passionate about this as Jesus Christ is, as the Holy Spirit is, as the Heavenly Father is. Because having redeemed us by His blood, that's Lord's Day 32 last time, Christ renews us by His Spirit so that at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you are fruitful. You're still going to be fruitful. Are you going to still be a sinner? Are you going to be as unredeemed as when he started his work in you? Are you going to be as enslaved to Satan? Are you going to be the same yes man or yes woman to your sinful nature as you began? No. Jesus Christ says, I'm renewing you by my spirit so that you are in the image of God. You are a new creation. 
2 Corinthians 5. You have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2. And you hear that language. I want you to hear your identity is now in Christ. You are a new creation. You are a new person. You have the mind of Christ. Lord's Day 32 then was coming to the end. We didn't focus on that. Because Christ, having done that, can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? Can you be saved if you're not repenting? And the answer is by no means no unrepentant sinner will inherit the kingdom of God. So, question. Are you a sinner who is repenting or are you a sinner who is not repenting? Because there's a night and day difference between those two. Are you a sinner who repents? That's called a saint, a believer, a follower of Christ, a disciple. Or are you a, saint, a sinner who is not repenting? Lord's Day 33 is saying, what is the true repentance or conversion, the turning around of man? And it's going to be this. It's going to be the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. And I really want to emphasize in, in up-to-date language, maybe you don't say old nature anymore or new nature anymore. The world is always talking about its identity. You can't hear about gender identity, LGBTQ. Everybody is about their sacred, their, their identity that they have inside. They've discovered their identity. They're deciding their identity. So I bring to you the Word of God. You are different. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you happen to have two identities. An old one and a new one. Everyone's got the old one. But in Christ you have a new one. And that old one, by the way, that old one, if you are in Christ, it is grieving. It hears the preaching. It hears a rebuke from a brother or sister and it grieves. Why? It's just been stabbed. Your old identity, it suffers around the Word of God. It's offended all the time. Because you are a new creation. You are in Christ. And Christ, having begun a work in you, is going to bring it to completion. So I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 3, because there we have it really laid out for us that you are a new person. John the Baptist is preaching to the crowds. He's down by the Jordan River and he's drawing crowds. And you know, he's not the best preacher out there. He's making people hurt. What's he saying? You brood of vipers. And he's not saying it just to like the Pharisees or some of the, like, the ones that you want to offend. He's saying it to the multitudes that come before him. That was Luke 3. You brood of vipers. Let's just make sure we understand what he's saying. You offspring. That's what a brood is, right? You have a whole bunch of little chicks around a chicken. A brood. Except this is serpent language. You brood of vipers. This is snake language. You offspring of the devil. That's what he's saying to the crowd. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Because the wrath is coming. And, and John, John the Baptist is, is not like the nicest preacher because he's already expecting the crowd to be 
defensive. And he's anticipating that. He's anticipating a response like this. Oh, I've been baptized. Or, I've been circumcised. Or, I've been a church-going member all my life. I've been paying my church dues. I'm a pretty good person. John the Baptist expects that kind of an answer. You're going to have a comeback that you, in some way, don't need to repent. Imagine that. You are somehow exempt from having to turn to the Lord with your whole life? And so he says, John the Baptist says to those Jews, you think that being children of Abraham, somehow finding out that your DNA comes from Abraham, that gives you a pass on repentance? You're so wrong, he says. God could take stones, he could grab a rock and give it the same DNA as Abraham. He could make them into children of Abraham if you wanted. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's the bottom line. Show the results of someone who's repenting, he's saying. And then he gives another picture. He says, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. There's a lot of trees growing around here. Maybe you know somebody who's a feller. Somebody who fells trees, that's a feller. He walks up to the tree. And back in the day with the axe, he would walk up to the tree and he places the axe down. Like he's marking out this tree. He lays it against the trunk, down at the root. And then he walks around the tree. Why is he walking around the tree? The question is not when is this tree coming down. The question is how. I'm going to bring it down Maybe the wind is going this way, it is leaning that way, and he does, if you know a feller, he takes a few moments to make sure the tree is not going to fall on his head. This is the picture for us. Every tree that's fruitless is going to be chopped down. Soon. Like the axe is already laying at the root of the tree. So if you're not repenting, the axe is leaning up against you. And right now, God is surveying. He's walking around. When, not if. Everyone that's not repenting will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And it's amazing that John the Baptist still has a crowd after preaching this. And the crowd is cut to the heart. It's an interesting wording that you also find in Acts chapter 2. The crowd hearing that they have crucified the Son of God. Peter preaching to the crowd. They are cut to the heart. And that language of cut to heart, you have to understand that that is your old nature that just got a good slashing. Your old nature. Your old identity. Somebody rebukes you, that's the part of you that hurts. And you're going to be right away on your defensive because your nature, your identity is all about I want to stay alive. That really hurt. And here is John the Baptist preaching to a crowd, hurting their old natures. Their natures taking a beating. And this is true repentance. To take that beating for your old nature. You say, this is who I am. That old nature has got to go. It doesn't belong to me. It should die. And I know it hurts. And I'm going to ask this question, what should I do? 
I shouldn't be defensive when somebody rebukes me. Your old nature, you know that nature, that old identity of yours, it's always been sending a message to God. That's what sin is. It's a message to God that says, I'd rather you didn't exist right now. That's what sin is. A message to God that says, God, I'd rather that you were deaf and blind that I can live as I please, think as I please, talk as I please, watch what I please. I just want to be who I am. Your old nature loves being the status quo. And I don't want to be thankful. I don't owe anyone anything. That's your old identity. So any preaching is going to stab right into the heart of your old identity. And the crowd in front of John the Baptist is cut to the heart. Remember, you know, they have all the answers. They're a lot like us. They have been Jews all their life. They know the covenant of God. They have had so many blessings throughout their life. A lot like church. A lot like Christians who have grown up in church. You've been going, but you need your old nature to die again. Today, too. You're on a steady diet of sin. And, and think about it. These people back then, they were believers. We would have said, yeah, they're one of us. We're all believers here. They need to repent. We need to repent. Their old nature's got to go. Or Paul's language, the Apostle Paul calls it flesh. Your sinful appetites that just want to run the whole place. It needs to die. Stop going back to Satan, your old master, and stop saying to your old uh, sinful appetites and desires, uh, what do you want to do this weekend? Turn to the Lord instead. Because before we get to our second point, the coming to life of the new, and our second point, I want you to see how God is using this message of John the Baptist, this message that is so offensive to your old nature. You are a sinner, you have offended God. John the Baptist saying, you are a brood of vipers, you're one of Satan's offspring, and the axe is laid to the root of the tree. You might think, oh, John the Baptist, ease off, you're going to drive people away. Well, there's no nice way to put it. But you know, if you're in Christ, you hear the most hope when you hear those words. That you are a brood of vipers. You actually hear hope in the words about the axe laid to the root of the trees. That is to you the gospel if you're in Christ. You can handle a few harsh words because you are in Christ. I'll give you an example of this in the Old Testament. You heard of Jonah, right? Remember his sermon? It's coming down to us. His sermon seems like a one-liner. Let me, let me tell you what you have in the Bible of the whole preaching of, John the, uh, of Jonah in the Old Testament. He goes to Nineveh, and he says, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. What an awesome gospel message. Let's try that today. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And you're like, oh, where's the love, grace, compassion of God? Well, if you believe in God, you're like, oh, I hear gospel there. It's in the yet. It's in the 40. It's in those days. 
That is the gospel. And so the entire city, you can hear this in Jonah, the entire city is cut to the heart. And the entire city repents with with this one word, hope. And it goes like this. Perhaps. Perhaps we should seek the Lord and repent. Perhaps 40 days is, is a whole timeline for us What if we repent in this time of 40 days? Perhaps we should seek the Lord and maybe He would show us mercy. Just based on that slim chance in 40 days that God would change His mind. They did that. They fasted. They wept. They mourned. And that was was all the good news from Jonah's preaching. It was so hopeful for them. And so John the Baptist, don't criticize him as a preacher. He's, he's bringing harsh truth. And yet those who hear it in the Lord, they're hearing words full of gospel. You mean the axe is at the root of the tree and it's not already chopped into me? This is the time to Repent. And yes, I have offended God by my sin. I do need help. So congregation, preach to your old nature. Kill your old nature. Put it to death. There are times that you have opportunity to let your old nature feel pretty uncomfortable. Like coming to church. You want to make your old nature feel uncomfortable? Have a Bible open. Read it. Have it read to you on some app on your phone. You want to make your old nature uncomfortable? Give it a good stab. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another out of thankfulness to the Lord. The old nature's got to die. But our next point is about the coming to life of the new. And I really don't want to stop at the first point because you might think this is all about only clearing the floor, getting rid of old. The replacement is so important. Where is this heartfelt joy? Where is the laughter like we heard this morning? Where is the delight, the love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works? A delight to pray, delight to obey. Let me ask you this. Do you want your new nature to do better? Do you want to thrive your new identity in Christ? Because here's John the Baptist, and the crowds are grieved, they're cut to the heart. The, the Word of God has, has stabbed at their old identity, and, and they ask this next question, the follow-up, and, and it's not going to be like, hey, we all sin, you know, nobody's perfect. And, and the crowds are not saying, hey, I'm a greedy person, uh, you know, I admitted it, I'm, I'm a thief, I admitted it, I'm an alcoholic, I admitted it. Maybe God will just get over it. Now you look at what the crowd is doing there. Their new nature, the Holy Spirit working this new nature, Jesus Christ saying, this is what I'm working in you right now 
Is it being revived? Because you're going to be asking for help. Not defending all the ways that you go wrong. But are you asking for help? How do I stop sinning? What then shall we do, the crowd asks. In our day, we'd be saying, I'm no good at this. You know, fill in the blank. We as church are no good at this, and you fill in the blank. I've really got to change. We've really got to change. What shall we do? It's not enough to say, oh, we really mess up in the past, or we're never really good at this or that, but to say, what shall we do now? This is repentance. And so the crowd's coming to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist's like, I got a few ideas. <laughs> it's kind of a dangerous thing to ask. What should we do? <laughs> maybe, maybe your family has ideas. Maybe your elders have ideas. Maybe your pastor has ideas. But there's very few people asking, what should I do? instead. So John the Baptist, back to Luke 3. Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. So you hear this. Used to stockpile, right? Your old identity was all about security in this life. Having what you need for tomorrow. Your old identity was hoarding. Because this is the only life you have. And the new identity, new identity is, what should we do? How about being generous, not so stingy? Because that's, that's who you are in Christ. Now, that's, you have the mind of Christ, this is what you're going to do. Someone raised in Jesus Christ to a new life loves to be in His image, and that's Him. He gives His life for others. That's the first example is um, John the Baptist talking about people who are hoarding. Not in the extreme sense, but just, you know, somebody with an extra few clothes in the closet just for the rainy day. Share, he says. Extra pantry full of food. Share, he says. And then we read in Luke 3 about these other sinners, the tax collectors. They also come to be baptized, those tax collectors, and they say, Teacher, what shall we do? John the Baptist says, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. That's pretty straightforward. But yet your old nature is going to wince. Your old identity is going to be cut to the heart at this because it's into your bottom line. Imagine you can make way more profit as a tax collector, because you can add any markup you want. You knock on somebody's door and you say, I'm collecting for the Roman government, and uh, it's 11% today. That way you can pocket an extra chunk of change. And then John the Baptist says, you want to know how to repent? How would be an honest tax collector for a change? One who's not greedy. Third group, third group of sinners turns out to be soldiers. Soldiers are asking, and we, what shall we do? And so John the Baptist has this answer to them. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages. Wow. Imagine that. You have a new nature. 
worked by God to have a love and delight, to not use force and extortion, but to be polite and kind. Soldiers, how did they get paid back in the day? How did they get their room and board? They'd bang on your door and say, I need a place to sleep and I need some food. Let's have it. Can you imagine a repentant soldier then? One of these repenting kind of sinners. A nice one. A polite one. We read of these God-fearing sinners. God-fearing, repenting sinners. Guys like centurion um, Cornelius. Or you hear about that centurion who cared for his servant who was dying. These are men moved to care and to love and to have compassion. These are repentant sinners. Their new nature has been revived. The point from all this is repentance is turning to God. Maybe half your life you're spending on turning away from sin. And you might neglect this area where you actually turn to believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and you ask this very, very difficult question, what should I be doing instead? Because Jesus Christ, having redeemed us by His blood, is not stopping at that salvation in Christ justified. He is also sanctifying you, renewing you by His Spirit. And He has a lot of answers ready for you. Just dare ask you the question, what should I do? Ask that question. How should I repent? I've got a greed problem, a thieving problem, an adultery problem, a gossiping problem, a drug problem. Uh, you, you, you might focus on all of these. How, as a sinner, should I stop those things? But what about the new? I leave you with this. Think about the things that we're not good at. Replacing sin with love and delight. How can I be good at evangelism? How can I be good at outreach? How can I be good at speaking of my faith before others? Because Christ, having redeemed me by His blood, He's bringing me to be a full Christian, overflowing with love for the Lord, delight in His Word. Because Christ, that's how I started last week, That's why you do good things. Because Christ is so after these good things that you are going to bear fruit. You're going to be asking, how can I be fruitful? Jesus Christ, you want me to be fruitful? What's that look like in my life? Lead me by your Spirit. So, because of Christ, having redeemed us by His blood, He also renews us in His image, death to the old nature of ours, life to the new nature. He's working in us by His Spirit. Amen.